It's great to be together to worship God together. I appreciate uh, Jude and Owen for being here. They're missing a championship basketball game this morning uh, to be here to worship God because there are things that are more important than basketball even, and that is remembering our Creator, remembering His Son who died for us, who rose again, and who will return again. And uh, we're here together to remember that and encourage each other as we strive to live like he would have us to live today. So thank you, everyone, for being here. The Bible uses a lot of imagery to convey ideas to us, and the imagery helps us connect everyday things with important Bible concepts. The imagery uh, can often be lost on us, though, for several reasons. Maybe because we don't stop to consider the images that are presented. Maybe it's because we are so familiar with the passage or the concept that we just sort of overlook it or skip across it. Maybe we just fail to realize the significance of the imagery that's presented to us. And as a result, I think some of the imagery can even seem strange to us at first and maybe hard for us to appreciate it. For example, Jesus' imagery of plucking out your eye to be pleased to him seems really strange to us until we stop to consider the image more carefully. There's an example of that in the reading that Joseph just read for us in Revelation chapter 10. The image of John eating a book is very strange to us. But when we stop to consider this imagery, I think it's very powerful. And interestingly enough, this imagery is not isolated to the book of Revelation. Nor is it isolated to the book of Ezekiel that we looked at this morning. But instead, this imagery goes throughout the Bible. The idea of eating God's Word. That idea is presented over and over again. And I have to stop at the start to tell the kids that that picture is just an illustration. Don't try this at home. We're not cutting our Bible up for dinner today. But we do need to be eating God's Word. And so today, today, let's look at what the Bible says about eating God's Word. First, we have to develop an appetite for God's Word. There are a lot of good, healthy, nutritious foods that you don't eat because you don't have an appetite for them. There are other foods from other parts of the country or, or even other parts of the world that you wouldn't touch because you don't have an appetite for those foods. Yet if you were in those countries, they'd fight you for those foods because they're delicacies. You're familiar with the popular food in Asia where they take a fertilized duck egg that has an embryo that's already developed and they cook that duck egg and eat it with that little baby duck in there? It's disgusting. They would tell you you're crazy for not liking that because you don't have the appetite for it. They do. There are probably a lot of other dishes that you know about that are popular in parts of the, country, of the world that we don't have an appetite for. There's even dishes in our country that are in certain areas that are prized and aren't in others. You may be from the South and like boiled peanuts. If you're not from the South, you probably think that's gross. I think that's gross. We have appetites for different kinds of foods. You know, lobster was once looked down on. Lobster used to be fed to prisoners because people thought so lowly of it. Now it's a delicacy. You have to develop appetites for certain types of foods. 
And so it is for us. We need to develop an appetite for God's Word. Jesus says that in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Jesus says you've got to have an appetite for this. Not everybody has an appetite. You need to develop your appetite. You need to be hungering for righteousness. And this comes by studying and applying God's Word. We've got to develop an appetite for this. Job said that he had an appetite for this. In Job chapter 23, verse 12. Job 23, verse 12. I have not departed from the commandments of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Have you ever liked a dish or a food so much that you've thought to yourself or maybe even verbalized, you know what? They could take away every other food in the world if they would just leave me this. I like it so much I could eat this every day. Isn't that what Job is saying about God's Word? You could take everything else out of the way. This is all I want. Job had an appetite for God's Word. He was hunger, hungry for it. You know, we don't eat things that we don't have an appetite for. I just wish I had a... I have never said, boy, I'm hungry. I just wish I had a duck egg, a fertilized duck egg I could eat. I've never said that. I don't have an appetite for that. If we don't have an appetite for God's Word, we're not going to want to study it. We're not going to want to be like Job and desire it if we don't have an appetite for it. If we don't have a love for it, we won't seek it. Psalm 119 verse 97 says, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. I don't think about things that I don't love all day long. When I'm at work, I'm not dreaming about a big tuna fish sandwich. I don't have an appetite for that. I don't lie down at night and drift off to sleep thinking about oysters on the half shell. No appetite there. We need to have an appetite for God's Word. We need to love it as Job did, as the psalmist did. But some might say, you know what? Appetites are just something that you're born with. I don't have an appetite for God's Word. Now, you might, and that's great, but not me. I just don't have that appetite. You know what? You can change your appetite. Peter instructed folks to change their appetite towards God's Word in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2 says, As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the Word, that you may grow thereby. Peter said, you don't have that appetite necessarily, but you need to develop it. We may not currently have the appetite for God's Word that we think we should as we do some self-reflection. We may God's word more than my necessary food. I, I wouldn't say that. That's not where I am. Guess what? You can be there. You can develop that appetite. Peter says you can develop that kind of appetite for God's word. How would I do that? How would I develop that appetite for God's word? Well, I might develop it the same way I develop an appetite for a type of food. You know, if... What about if I wanted to develop an appetite for broccoli? How could I develop an appetite for broccoli? Well, you know, I might start to study up on broccoli and learn about the benefits of eating broccoli, how it can be beneficial to your health. And then maybe I might try 
some and find out, well, broccoli isn't as repulsive as I had imagined it to be. And then I might continue to eat broccoli until I develop that appetite for broccoli where now I like it. Maybe we could do that with God's Word. Maybe we ought to realize the benefits of God's Word. And then we ought to try God's Word. And then we ought to continue to spend time with God's Word. And soon we'll have that appetite that we need to have. In Psalm 19, verse 7, beginning, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Notice this, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. If we're going to eat God's Word like we need to eat God's Word, we're going to have to develop an appetite for it. And we need to develop this appetite because eating God's Word is necessary for our survival. Have you ever known someone who was on their deathbed and the report goes out that he or she has stopped eating? What do you know when that report goes out? That person doesn't have much longer to live, do they? They're not eating. That's not good. When famine strikes an area, people die. Healthy people die because there is no food. And so it is for us spiritually. If we don't eat, we are not going to live spiritually. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We live by eating that spiritual food that's given us by God. By eating His word, that's how we live. Do we view it that way? Do we view our spiritual well-being as being fed by God's Word? We live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It's that important. Jesus said this in John chapter 6, verse 33. John 6, verse 33, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. God's Word is what gives us life. If we're not eating, we're dying. We need God's Word. Amos foretold about a famine that was coming in Amos chapter 8, verse 11. Amos chapter 8, verse 11, a frightening famine that was coming, but it wasn't the typical famine. In, John, in Amos chapter 8, verse 11, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread nor a thirst for water, but of the hearing the words of the Lord. Can you imagine how terrifying that would be? It would be terrifying to not have God's Word. But when this book stays closed, and when I don't study it, I inflict that same famine on myself. And people are dying every day because they don't have the spiritual food that they need. They have it, but they're not consuming it like they should. We need to have God's Word in order to survive. And Satan, you better believe, he knows that we need God's Word to survive. 
Satan knows that if you don't eat, you'll die. And he knows that if he can get you to stop eating, you'll die. And so what does he do? He fills your lives with a lot of distractions, a lot of good, wholesome, pure distractions are exactly what Satan needs if he's going to succeed in getting you to stop eating. Fill your life up with these distractions that nobody can condemn, but chalk it so full that you have no time for God's Word, and you stop eating, and He's got you just where He wants you. Because we have to eat to live. And Christians in the first century were devoted to this. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and prayers. They were devoted to the apostles' doctrine. Are we, if we don't eat, we won't live. Furthermore, the Bible tells us that we need to eat all of God's Word. We need to eat it all. We force feed our babies, don't we? When we have babies in our arms and we're feeding them their bottles, we make sure that all of that bottle goes down that baby's throat. We work with them, don't we? We may stay with them for an hour at a time trying to get them to take all of that bottle because a parent is concerned about how much the baby's eating. And if the baby's not eating like they should, then the parents focus in on this. And, they, and the mother especially just hones in. The baby's not eating as much. What's wrong? The baby didn't finish its bottle. The baby doesn't seem to have much appetite. What's wrong? We've got to work on getting the baby to eat more. The baby's got to eat. So it is for us spiritually. Peter, again, refers to us as those newborn babies who are eating that milk. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, As newborn babies desire the pure milk of the Word that you may grow thereby. God's Word is what is going to allow us to grow, and as a result, we need all of it. We can't pick and choose. We can't ignore parts of the Bible and say, No, I'm not going to study it. I'm not going to eat that part of the Bible. Now, I'll eat this part, but I'm not going to eat that other part. No, we've got to eat all of it. We have some kids. You probably have had kids or have kids like this who would eat only sweets if you let them. They'd have no problem at all if you just pile up the sweets on their plate. And you'd never would have to tell them, you can't get up until you clean your plate. Never have to say that one more time. They'd, just, they'd love it. We don't allow that, do we? No, you've got to have a well-rounded diet. Parents have the pleasant task of forcing their kids to eat their vegetables. Kids, your parents aren't telling you to eat your vegetables because they thought it would be a fun hobby that they didn't have enough to do. They thought, you know, it would be fun if we just started feeding kids vegetables. Let's do that for fun. And they don't tell you to eat all your green beans because they like looking at that sick face you put on, on every time they say to do that. That's not why they're doing it. They don't have uh, a lack of things to talk about at the dinner table. You know, we didn't have enough to talk about. Let's talk about eating vegetables tonight. That'll be fun. They tell you to eat your vegetables because you need the nutrition that comes from your vegetables. And so it is with us. We need God's Word, and brethren, we need all of it. As we talked about in Bible class this morning, we need the part that is sweet. We need the part that might be bitter. We need all of it, and we need not shy away from it. 
There are some folks who only want to talk about the part of God's Word that they like, though. There are people that just want to hear about the part of God's Word that tastes good. They want to talk about the part of God's Word that makes them feel good. They want to talk about the part of God's Word that doesn't require any change or action on their part. That's the part of the Word that they want to hear. But brethren, we need it all. Sweet message to their audience. And that's not going to get the job done. Sadly, there are Christians, I'm afraid, who only want to hear this type of preaching. Christians who get upset when difficult topics are brought up. Christians who will even go as far as saying it's unloving to talk about certain Bible topics. That you're hateful if you talk about certain Bible topics. But if we understand God's Word for what it is, we'll understand that we need all of it if we're going to be pleasing to Him. We need to eat all of God's Word. But I'm going to tell you, as we do that, there are some parts of God's Word that are harder to digest than other parts. There are some foods that are hard to digest, and so it is with God's Word. Some topics and teachings are more difficult than other topics. The writer of Hebrews mentions this in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12, again, talking about this uh, food connection with God's Word. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. You have come to need milk and not solid food, for everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he's obeyed. The Hebrew writer says there's some things here that are difficult. And many, when they start to study God's Word, they become discouraged when they come across a difficult passage or a difficult concept. And they may throw up their hands and quit and say, you know what, I can't understand the Bible. There's stuff in there that's too hard to understand. We understand there's more difficult things in, in life, don't we? doesn't mean we quit them. What about math? Did you ever come across anything that was difficult in your study of us than others, but at some now, maybe that level of difficulty happened earlier for some of us than others, but at some point in the line, I'd say everyone in this room came across something that was difficult in math. Did you just throw up your hands and say, I quit, I can't understand math, it's too complicated, I'm done with it. No. You digested it, didn't you? You persevered. What about your phone? What about your phone? Some things on there that are too difficult to figure out? Do you just throw the phone away? Or you dig in and figure it out. You figure it out, don't you? Why would we just quit on God's Word when we come across difficult concepts? Why would we just throw up our hands and say, I'm done, I can't figure it out? No, we have to dig in and we have to digest it. And if we don't dig in and digest the difficult passages, we're not going to be able to understand the important concepts that God wants us to understand. There were important concepts here that they needed to understand, and they weren't ready for that because they weren't digging in and digesting God's Word. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning of verse 1, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ, I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you're still not able, for you're still carnal. For where there is envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? There were important things the Corinthians needed to know. And they could not receive them. Paul couldn't teach them to them. Because they weren't at the point where they could digest them. 
They hadn't practiced digesting important, difficult concepts. And could it be? Could it be that there are important concepts in God's Word that I can't digest right now because I've not given myself to them and you can't digest because you've not given yourself to them? That's a scary thought, isn't it? And food that's difficult to digest, brethren, takes time, doesn't it? You might not eat a spicy meal right before bedtime because you know they won't be digested in time. Digesting God's Word takes time. There are some concepts in God's Word that it's going to take time for us to digest. And we'll only, take, we'll only be able to digest them if we begin. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. We digest God's Word by bringing it into our heart and meditating on it day and night. God's Word, though, must be digested if it's going to benefit us. Undigested food doesn't do us any good, does it? You know, there are people who have medical conditions where their body does not digest food like it should. Maybe it doesn't digest a certain part of the food that it needs, and that person is very ill. That person is in a very serious state. If you're not digesting food, it's a problem. And so it is for us with God's Word. Unless we're digesting God's Word, unless we're taking it into ourselves, and we're allowing it to be part of our life, it won't do us any good. Notice what Joshua told the people in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night, that you may observe to do all according to all that is written in it. For then you will make yourself your, your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. They were to take the law and they were to keep it. It was to be a part of them. And so it is for us today in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. The word of Christ needs to dwell in us. And it won't dwell in us unless we're digesting it and allowing it to become a part of our lives. This is just more than just hearing the Word of God, isn't it? This is more than just hearing it. This requires us to hear it and dwell upon it, to think about how it applies to us and how to apply it in our lives and then applying it in our lives. Otherwise, it's just like the sick person who eats a nice meal but doesn't get the nutrients out of it like he or she should. If we're not digesting this, it won't benefit us. And when we eat God's Word, I want to tell you we must share it with others. Like a good restaurant that we visit, or like a good dish that we experience, we want to tell that and share that with others, don't we? You go to a restaurant that just is out of this world, what do you want to do? You want to tell somebody about that, don't you? Or maybe you try a new recipe that is just phenomenal. you got to share that with somebody, don't you? And so it is with God's Word. We need to share God's Word with others. And this idea of eating God's Word and sharing it with others is repeated over and again in the Bible. In Ezekiel chapter 2, 
Beginning of verse 8, the verse that we read in our Bible class this morning. We won't read it again for the sake of time, but you remember Ezekiel was told to eat the scroll. And when he did, at the end it said, Son of man, go to the house of Israel and speak my words to them. Go tell them what you just ate. Share it with them. And in the passage that Joseph read for us in Revelation chapter 10, beginning of verse uh, 8, after John ate the book, he said to me, you must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, tongues, and, and, uh, and kings. John ate the book, and he had to go share it with other people. And if we are eating God's word like we should, I'm going to tell you a natural response is we're going to want to share that with others. We want to share with others what we've learned. We want to share with others what God is telling us. We want others to enjoy the same spiritual food that we're sharing, that we're enjoying. In 2 Kings chapter 7, in 2 Kings chapter 7, there's a story that has nothing to do with people studying God's Word, but it does have to do with people eating physical food. You're probably familiar with this story in 2 Kings chapter 7, beginning of verse 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 3, that's a small type. You can listen or follow along in your Bible if you can't read that. 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 3, there's some lepers. There's four leprous men. And they are under attack, under siege. In verse 3 of 2 Kings chapter 7, Now there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate, and they said to one another, Why are we sitting here until we die? If we say we will enter the city, the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. If we sit here, we die also. Now therefore, come, let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we shall live. If they kill us, we shall only die. So these leprous men weren't feeling good, but their brains were working good. They said, this city is being surrounded and it's cut off. There's no food in the city. They won't let us in the city anyways. We're lepers. But if we were to get it, go in there, we're going to die in there. Why not just go out to the army and see what happens? And so they do. And they arose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. And when they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of the chariots and the noise of horses, the noise of a great army. So they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to attack us. Therefore they arose and fled at twilight and left the camp intact, their tents, their horses, and their donkeys, and they fled for their lives. And when these lepers came to the outskirts of the camp, they went into, into one tent and ate and drank and carried it from, from its silver and gold and clothing and went and hid them. And they came back and entered another tent and carried some from there also and went and hid it. Then they said to one another, we are not doing right. This day is a day of good news and we remain silent. If we wait until morning light, some punishment will come upon us. Now, therefore, come, let us go and tell the king's household. They were starving men, and they found the food that they needed, and they're enjoying it. And it comes to them, you know what? There are other hungry people that need to hear about what we found. And so it is for us when we eat God's word, when we enjoy the benefits of knowing God's word, we've got to share that with others. We need to be sharing God's word with others. And finally this morning, 
I want to tell you that eating God's word brings blessings. Eating God's word brings blessings to our lives. You know, many people look at God's word like a kid looks at their lima beans, like it's some kind of curse, like whoever thought of putting that on my plate? Why would I have to eat that defilement? That's sadly how a lot of people look at the Bible, like it's some kind of curse that if you know about God's word, it's just going to make your life miserable. So you're better off not knowing God's word. You're better off knowing as little as possible of God's word. The least, the better. You don't want to know about that. It's terrible. That is exactly the opposite of the attitude that anyone should have and exactly the opposite of what God says about His Word. The Scriptures say this, Psalm 119, verse 103, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. God's Word brings blessings to our lives. And just like we'd be foolish to have a nice dish with honey on it and ignore it. So we are foolish when we don't study God's word like we should. Jeremiah 15, verse 16. Your words were found and I ate them. And your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. Jeremiah says that God's word was to the joy and rejoicing of his heart. God's word, brethren, brings joy and rejoicing and blessing to our life here and in eternity. There's a blessing in studying God's word. Do we see it this way? We won't see it this way until we develop that appetite, that hungering for God's word. Until we realize the importance of it for our spiritual well-being, for our spiritual survival. Until we're eating all of it, the parts that we like and the parts that we don't like. Until we digest even those more difficult parts. Until we're eating it and sharing it with others. Do you realize the blessing in God's Word? This imagery is maybe something we hadn't noticed in the past. Maybe we've overlooked this imagery, but I don't think there's important lessons for us when we think about eating God's Word. God wants us to be eating His Word, devouring it. We need to appreciate God's Word, and we need to eat it up. What about you this morning? Are you living like you should? Have you devoted your life to studying and eating God's Word and applying it to your life? Are there areas of your life that need to be improved on? If there are, we want to help. Maybe you're here and you're not a Christian. There's no better time than right now. If you know what God wants you to do, do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Are you willing to repent of your sins and confess your faith in Him and be baptized for the remission of your sins? If there's anything we can do to help you, will you let us know while we stand and sing?